Warning! This episode contains foul language, depictions of racism, specifically during the civil rights movements of the 60s, and a brief mention of rape. podcast for all things strange unusual paranormal supernatural creepy sticky gross scary and everything in between each week we get to hang out let our hair down and chat about something weird this week is a week we've been looking forward to for a long time december is a great month to talk about women December 1st, 1955, Rosa Parks refused to give up her seat on a bus. December 7th, 1941, Captain Annie Fox received the first Purple Heart awarded to a woman for her service while she was under attack at Pearl Harbor. On December 10th, 1869, Wyoming became the first territory to give women the right to vote. December 14th, 1985, Wilma Mankiller is sworn in as Principal Chief of the Cherokee Nation of Oklahoma, the first woman in modern history to lead a major Native American tribe. This month, we're going to be sharing stories of women in history who are amazing, who deserve to be known, but have been overlooked or overshadowed. My name is Ashley, and this is my co-host, Lauren. Hello, weirdos. And in the spirit of strong women everywhere, if you're a $10 patron, <laughs> you hear her voice every week. Our guest today is the amazing Amy Hanselman. Ooh, hi, weirdos. We have Yay. a guest. We, we have, have a guest. We have a guest. We have a guest. It's amazing. We sing that song every time we have a guest. Have you guys had a quarantine guest besides Joey since... Tyler, yeah, we Tyler did have Schulke Tyler came on. Um, is that it? I think that's well, our it. only our only other guest this year was our very first guest. We had Carl on the show, and that <laughs> right was before lockdown. That was the yep. week before we went into lockdown, and then we uh, just just the two of us. Yep, and it's just been us every week. I mean, and I am shocked that, yeah, I'm shocked that we've made it work because I feel like there were so many times we thought, man, we really need a guest in order to do this episode or make it interesting. But I think we've somehow carried on. Yeah, it's been a nice learning experience, especially since we know we're not always going to live in the same city. And if we still want to do the podcast, like right. we know that it's absolutely easily possible now. Yeah. So that's really cool. It is. Uh, it is sort of sad. Because I like seeing people and I mean, sure. I think everyone's in that boat. Yeah, <laughs> like, we miss like having guests. Yeah, nobody else is feeling that way. <laughs> <laughs> only me and Lauren. <laughs> We're the only podcast. lonely people in the world. <sighs> yeah. Every time I hear people be like, I don't know, I think I'm going to wait to get the vaccine. I'm like, I don't care if they're like, yeah, the side effects are like your blood will turn into glass. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know, man. That's like... Is it deadly? Will it kill me? Right. <laughs> Sounds worth it. I know. I had a family member say, I'm a little skittish about the vaccine because what if it gives you a third arm or something? I was like, I will take a third arm because then I can hug my family even closer and even stronger with my third <laughs> arm. <laughs> and also, I love that people are like, well, we don't know what the side effects of the vaccine are. We don't know what the side effects of COVID are. Right. Yeah. I'd rather take that. the vaccine and have them be like listen your pinky toe died you don't have a pinky toe and i'd be like okay but like liver damage right. is potentially one of them erectile dysfunction which obviously Ooh. i don't care about but a lot of people should yeah it's like in rare cases crazy stuff is happening to people and one of the most common symptoms that everyone's getting is the whole no taste no smell thing and for the majority mm -hmm. it comes back but there are now people reporting that it's been like six months and their taste never came back and like that freaking sucks yeah, their taste comes back, but they're saying that they can now taste and smell chemicals in yes, things. Yes, so like I did hear Coke, that. like a bottle of Coca Cola smells and tastes like gasoline. Right, that is true. Yes, which is like, what the fuck is that? 
Exactly. Yeah, those people need to move to Europe where they have like laws about the things that they can put in food because here everything is just made out of arsenic <laughs> yeah. and all, Windex. All the damn chemicals you could ever imagine. I really, I hope I do live to see the day in like, you know, 20, I don't know, 20 whenever, 2060, where they're like, can you believe in 2020 <laughs> human beings consumed this? And I'd be like, I was there. No one cared. I was there for it. We, we knew then. Yep. <laughs> we knew it. Yeah. No, we, how, how did nobody know that it was bad to drink arsenic? No, we knew. No, we knew. No, we knew. We just did. But we just we didn't just care. Didn't care. <laughs> we just loved Coke is delicious. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of, I've eaten so many Oreos in quarantine, you guys. It's been me and Alex's like go-to snack. And then I sit and complain that I've gained weight and I don't know why. And it's the Oreos. <laughs> It's I just Oreos. don't know why it keeps adding on. <laughs> it's the Oreos. My only saving grace is that I don't like Oreos. It's probably like saved me from like being the size of a house. Good for yeah, you. I, I, I don't love Oreos either. Um, Y'all is I, crazy. I know. <laughs> I think they taste like chemicals. I mean, they, they do, do they a little, but like I'm into real it. Food. I dip them in peanut butter. What? I dipped them in peanut butter because right. Lindsay Lohan taught me in the parent trap um, when she met her twin in the cabin. So now I do it and it's delicious. Anyway. You're just trying more and more every day to be more like Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> I mean, she's pretty great. Let's do it. When you were saying that you dipped Oreos in peanut butter, I was like, do women deserve rights? <laughs> Should you be oh, allowed no. to vote, Lauren? Should you? Oh, should you? Gosh, yeah, I'm not helping the cause, am I? My goodness. Um, all right. Well, before we get started, I do have a couple shout outs. We've got a few new patrons that joined right at the end of November, just squeezed in there. So thank you so much to Vanessa Schaffstall, Lindsay Maves, and Kelsey Kruzberg. Kelsey, Ooh. thank you for helping me with your name. I saw also that message. I was like, she's so sweet. <laughs> Um, also, Vanessa, Lindsay, and another patron of ours, Kim Dart, we want to give you guys a huge shout out. They were the grand prize winners of our pumpkin carving contest, and we had the pleasure and the privilege of getting to hop on a Zoom call with them for about an hour and a half last weekend, and it was so much fun. It was an absolute blast. Everything just happened so naturally and wonderfully. Like, And the reason I have to even point out that it was a natural conversation is just because I think all of us were in agreement that we can be a little socially awkward and we're mm -hmm. hopping on Zoom with complete mm -hmm. strangers, but it <laughs> was just a blast. It felt like we all had known each other forever. We had so much fun. Yeah, it was great. We just talked about our favorite weird things when we first realized we liked weird stuff, conspiracy theories, paranormal experiences. It was great. We really had a lot of fun. So thank you, Lindsay, Vanessa, and Kim. And also thank you to Bree Henderson, who was another winner, and she got a free Ooh. tank top. Yes. She was the one, Lauren, Ooh. I don't know if you remember, with all the eyeballs. Oh, my gosh, yes. I feel like that, that was, was yeah. amazing. I think that's one of the ones I texted to you. I was blown away. And then, Amy, I know you had a few shout outs as well. I do. So if you guys want to support a couple of Denver makers of things, um, my friend Sam Doran paints cool things like skulls and flowers, and you can watch him live stream art on Twitch. His Twitch is twitch.tv slash Sam Doran, D-O-R-A-N, and that's Sam as in Sam. Uh, and you can buy prints at samdoran.art. He also made a painting of me at the beginning of quarantine. He was like, I don't know what to paint. And I was like, uh, you're going to paint a painting of me. And he was <laughs> like, he was like, what should you be doing? And I was like, um, uh, and I panicked and I went holding a sword. <laughs> and so he was like, okay, take a photo of yourself, like holding something so that I can like use it as a reference. And so there's all these pictures of me holding a wooden spoon. I remember you sent us the, uh, the girl. Yes, you sent us a picture of you that holding the so spoon. Funny. <laughs> and he painted a, a portrait of me, uh, holding a roll of toilet paper 
Oh and my. stomping out COVID. Oh my god! Oh. Okay, we're gonna need that, that. Uh, so we can post it for everyone to see. Yeah. yeah. Now, one thing I do have to say is that he was pretty upset with me because I did make him paint it on cardboard, mm. um, so that I could just set it on my wall because I can't hang things. So it is not up to snuff as far as he is concerned. But I right. love it, and I will take a very nice photo and so that you can put it on Instagram and uh, you know maybe if you want he'll paint a picture of you holding a sword and a toilet paper roll um, you could and- be next <laughs> and then also my friend Abigail Butler is a very talented graphic designer and so she runs Chirps and Cricket. It's a Denver-based design studio specializing in custom illustration and wedding stationery. Planning a wedding for 2021? Contact Abby on Instagram at Chirps and Cricket for a free wedding stationery consultation. Awesome. And she also has a website. It is chirpsandcricket.com. And even if you guys are not getting married, her, like, I don't give a shit. About wedding <laughs> invitations. I think they're so boring. Hers are so gorgeous. She's so talented. I love that. And she also does other things too. She doesn't just do wedding invitations. But I am going to be planning a wedding. And I wasn't planning on having invitations, but I'll check uh, I'll check those out for sure. Ooh. Oh, yeah. That's true, Ashley. I will make sure to at you or something so yeah, that you please. make sure to check out her stuff because her stuff is so cool. Love it. And she would love to design your wedding invitations because she's obsessed with you. (laughs) (laughs) So it's perfect. Um, Yeah, everyone uh, help help out your small business friends right now, especially with COVID and USPS being a kind of a disaster. I know a lot of my small business friends are really flailing. Uh, It's already hard enough to have a small business, so... Definitely. When you're dealing with something like this where, you know, things like shipping times mean the world to someone mm-hmm. with a small business. Yeah, they're kind of they're struggling right now. So support sure. shop small, shop small this Christmas. Help them out. Don't go to the big places. Yeah. And if you were planning on donating any money to Joe Biden's transition team, Instead, (laughs) buy literally anything from anyone or support any Patreon ever or set your money on fire in the street because he has billionaires who are donating to his campaign. You don't need to donate. If you make less than $300,000 a year, you cannot afford to give to Joe Biden's transition team campaign. That's ridiculous. I'm still mad about that. Anyway. That's good advice. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, weirdos. Popping in for a quick extra disclaimer warning. What have you for anyone who needs it? In this episode, we are going to be talking about a lot of historical events and facts that took place that have been thoroughly researched, I assure you. And may not be the way that you learn them in your history class. Now, some people would hear that and think, well, that's anti-America. But just because something you learned was incorrect, that doesn't make the truth anti-American. I was also taught incorrectly and had to relearn a lot of American and world history as an adult. You will also hear us express our love and admiration for women. This does not mean we are anti-man. We will express our respect and admiration for black men and women during the civil rights movement of the 1960s. This does not mean we are anti-white. You can love something and not hate another thing. You will hear us use words like patriarchy because a patriarchal society is the reason why we were taught certain things and not the other in the context of today's episode. So again, I say this at the top, because if at any point throughout these episodes it seems as though we are frustrated, angry, annoyed, whatever, it's because we probably are, and it's not political, no matter how much you want it to be. So enjoy yourselves. Please don't take offense if there are any jokes thrown in about women or men or sex or gender or politics. Those things are funny, and it's okay to laugh at ourselves. So have fun and enjoy learning new things. All right, so our episode today is all about amazing women throughout history. A lot of history, as we all know, has been majorly whitewashed, but it's also been sex-washed, too. 
There are many examples, so many examples of women who either did something first, did something better, invented things, cured diseases, sent men to the moon, ended wars, and we don't even know their names. And mm-hmm. I think that this is something we're going to continue to do with the show, not just with women, but with humans, with people yeah. who changed the world that deserve to be known. It's just today we're focusing on the ladies. Okay. Who hey, run the world, girls. And Lauren is actually going first today. Hello. Hello. Uh, um, have you guys <laughs> welcome? <laughs> welcome to the show. I just got here. Um, have you guys heard of my lady? Because I know I had texted you her name. Had you heard of this lovely Filipino woman? No, I had not. Okay, good. I just well, I should have asked this way earlier before I even covered her, but I wanted to make sure I wasn't alone in like who is this woman? I was so excited. Um, I'm going to be talking about uh lady named Faye Del Mundo. She is in the world of medicine. I feel like we're all kind of covering different categories between these episodes. So I'm in the world of medicine. Um, She made a lot of cool changes in the world of pediatrics. And I just think she's amazing. So Faye Del Mundo. She's also adorable. She's so cute, you guys. <laughs> I mean, Google her right now. Also, we'll post photos of her, obviously. We'll post photos of all of our women. But she's the cutest little Filipino lady in the universe. I love her. She was born in Manila in the Philippines, uh, November 27th, 1911. She was the sixth of eight children. So also, God bless her mother. And oh, geez. Um, very sad. Three of her eight siblings actually died in infancy. And then an older sister, who she was very, very close with, died from appendicitis at age 11. And it was the death of her older sister, who was very much, you know, her best friend, her everything. It, this kind of gave her the push she needed to make her realize with everything that was happening in her family, she wanted to go into the world of medicine. And not only did she want to be a doctor, but she wanted to be a doctor for the poor because her family was not very well off for all of her life. And she knew she wanted to help children and families that couldn't afford proper medical care. She wanted to give them the ability to, you know, still have a fighting chance and still be able to make it the way she wished her siblings could. So she was driven from a young, young age and basically thought there is no other option for me, but I have to be a doctor and I have to change the world. So at age 15, she entered the University of the Philippines and earned a medical degree with highest honors in 1933, which puts her at age uh, 22 about. So she was in school for about seven years. She graduated with the highest honors, was valedictorian of her class, was a badass. I know. I was like, get it. She sounds like a dork, but okay. Dorks She's can a big save old the world, too. Dorks can <laughs> save the world. Look at Clark Kent. She definitely is a super nerd. <laughs> yes, she is. He like did Clark not Kent. need those glasses. <laughs> he can't see without his glasses. Oh, my gosh. I saw the best TikTok the other day of a guy who took off his glasses and his girlfriend played along so well. He was talking about Superman and how it makes no sense that his glasses were his disguise. But his girlfriend steals the show. And as soon as he takes the glasses off, she's like, who the fuck are you? Get out of my apartment. Like, starts screaming at him. And he puts the glasses back on. She's like, oh, my God, babe, who was that? And it's the funniest thing I've ever seen. (laughs) just appreciated her commitment so much okay anywho so she's clark kent is what we're getting at basically huge nerd i think she wore glasses um i did look up a photo of her and she's wearing gigantic glasses and she's maybe the cutest person of all time anyway go on i can't handle her she's so cute so she graduated again at 22 highest honors I think of where I was at age 22 doing a whole lot of nothing (laughs) and it makes me disaster I was such a dummy. I was doing nothing. I was a millionaire. (laughs) I was counting all my money. Amy's really falling apart. (laughs) (laughs) So Del Mundo received a scholarship offer from the president of the Philippines at the time, Manuel Quezon, had this much faith in her that he gave her a scholarship, granting her admission to any school in the United States that she wanted to get her master's at, which like... Excuse me, the president believes in you that much that he's giving you the means to continue your education in the United States. That is phenomenal. 
So she headed to America, where she went to graduate school in Boston, and in 1940, she received her master's degree in bacteriology from the Boston University School of Medicine. Which, by the way, was the first university in the United States that opened a women's school of medicine. Go on. Hey, ho. All right. It's funny that you're mentioning that, too, because this part of her life gets a little wonky because literally almost every website you look at says different things. And it's kind of unfortunate because she was actually honored in 2018 on Google. You know how Google does their little doodles honoring somebody? Yeah. They did hers back in 2018, which I completely missed. Like, I don't remember this. But in their little excerpt on her, they said she was the first woman to ever attend Harvard's medical school. So... Every article you find, like the top ones that pop up if you're researching her, say she is famous because she was the first woman to attend Harvard Medical School. But if you dig a little deeper, Harvard was not letting women in until 1945. And then some articles will even try to cover that and they'll say, yeah, but Harvard thought she was a male, judging by her application, so they let her in by accident. And then once they met her and saw how amazing her resume was, they let her in anyway, which wouldn't that be the best story ever. I wish that was the story. But Harvard has come forward saying we have no record of her attending our undergraduate like medical school program or ever graduating. But we do have record of her doing a two year fellowship at our children's hospital. And she mm-hmm. was amazing at that. And we loved her. So maybe that I was think it. I think when you get down to it, that is what people are thinking happened. And it's still an amazing feat because Um, Women were allowed to go into the graduate school at Harvard. They had just started allowing women in around this time, but there still were very few. So her going there is still amazing. And also it is believed, again, the research is so wonky, which is unfortunate, but it is believed that she was the first Asian female to do um, Harvard's graduate medical school program. So that's still an amazing, it's all still great news, even if it's not what people thought. Yeah. She did do this fellowship for two years at the medical school, the Children's Hospital in 1941. And she also, you know, got her master's, as we were saying, at Boston University. So amazing. When she finished her master's and her fellowship, despite being begged to stay in the U.S. by people in the medical world who could see that she was obviously amazing, she did decide to return home to the Philippines because she knew her work was more desperately needed there. And that is why... She is everything to me because her heart was still set on helping children and even more specifically helping children in those poverty stricken areas back in her country where she had seen the hurt and the pain in these people without electricity and living in shacks. Well, and especially when it's like, you'll make a lot more money here. And she's like, I don't care. That's not why I did this. Like, people were literally offering offering her dream jobs, like, that people were, you know, that's what you can only aspire for, especially as a woman. Like, she was so sought after. She was so intelligent, such a hard worker, but she was like, no, I gotta go. I gotta go home to where my heart is pulling me. I'm doing it for my sisters and brothers that died. I'm doing it for my country. So she went back with her heart of gold and her brains of steel. I don't know if that's a saying, but it should be. And she... <laughs> she... <laughs> is a brain of steel a good saying or a terrible one because it means she might have metal in her head i don't know i don't know i mean i i thought of a positive i thought like positive like steel like steel trap mind okay good that's where i was going with it thank you okay i love that okay good that's exactly what i was going for (laughs) as it was coming out of my mouth i'm like this isn't a saying but i'm doing it I think you were just thinking of the Man of Steel because we were talking about him earlier. (laughs) Man of Steel. You're right. Guys, she truly is Clark Kent. Okay. Heart of Gold. (laughs) Brains of Steel. She headed back to Manila. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Now I'm just thinking of the Friday Night Lights tag what is it like oh, full open heart oh full heart oh, what clear is it? eyes full clear heart. eyes full heart clear can't, eyes, lose. can't lose <laughs> oh my gosh that has to be the name of the episode and no one will understand what it's about okay open heart steel trap brains <laughs> gold heart steel brain can't lose <laughs> oh my god okay that was amazing 
speaking of like another like very cool, very funny woman, Amy Schumer. Do you guys remember oh. her clear eyes, full hearts, don't rape sketch? Yes. She's like giving it's like a football coach mm-hmm. being like, don't yes. rape. And the guys are like, but what if we're having sex? And during sex, she decides she doesn't want to. And he's like, that's right. You can't do it. That's and he's right. like, Mwah. he's like, well, what if she's so <laughs> drunk? She doesn't remember. It's like, that's right. You can't do it. <laughs> and it was it's just so good. And so then she comes in funny. at the end with a giant glass of wine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Isn't that the same she's one? She's playing at yeah, Connie Britton. Connie right. Britton character. Oh, yes. Uh, she's like, come on home, coach. And she has like a life-size, <laughs> like giant bottle We're of making wine. a difference. Yeah. Um. Anyways, she's going back to where, Manila? <laughs> uh yep we're back there she okay. heads back home guys okay. all right and her first we're gonna keep it together everybody we got this her first big contribution after returning home was her way to help families in rural communities without electricity she invented a bamboo incubator in okay. 1941 right after oh returning home this is crazy you guys so She, I guess, made her makeshift incubator composed of two uh, native laundry baskets that were made of bamboo. They were two different sizes, and she would place one inside the other and then put hot water bottles all around between the baskets to regulate the body temperature of newborn babies who couldn't, like, if the families could not afford to go to a hospital or didn't have power. She made this little incubator. And then she was quoted as saying, I put a little hood over the top and attached oxygen for the baby. We basically had to do make do with whatever was available. And it was reported that it was Del Mundo's objective the second she got home to make inventions that are inexpensive and can basically be used anywhere by people with limited access to medical centers, which is a huge portion of the country. So she was able to make these little newborn baby incubators to regulate temperature of children who were having issues. And her research and this development during this time actually led to the incubator that we know today, and that is in hospitals, because of the research and all of her findings. She also contributed greatly to how we treat jaundice in babies today, which also involves you know, children being in like a heated incubator and also involved some lighting just to help their skin regulating it back to normal. So she, because of what she was doing for these poor families, led to that, which I just think is crazy because babies have to be in incubators all the time after they're born like that. She is a huge part of that. And I don't feel like you see her name attached to it ever. Of course not. No. And and it's two amazing things because one, she invented the incubator and two, name a cuter thing, than a baby in a basket. In a bamboo, <laughs> bamboo basket. basket. With w- hot water yeah, bottles on it. Literally right. name a cute. Hot water hey, bottles. Hey, listeners, please write in with cuter things <laughs> cuter and thing. send pictures because you know what? We all need it. And Ashley will post it on Instagram because we all need. Th- if you can come up with something cuter, I fucking dare you. I know. I double dog dare you. That is your assignment for this week. Come up for, with something cuter than a baby in a basket. The only thing I can think that might be cuter is a baby cuddling with a puppy inside In the bamboo the incubator. Bamboo incubator. <laughs> yeah. Then I might pee my pants, but Yeah, but it depends on the dog. True. Oh, you're Some right. Ugly. Some Ooh, ugly. has to if be it's like a pug? Ugh, no thanks. <laughs> what if it's like a little like lab puppy? Ooh. Like a little Oh jeez. That might be too much. Oh. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay, okay women just... can vote again. thank god we put the oreos and peanut butter behind us my god okay we have to move on before i cry anymore okay so remember this is 1941 when she came back so she gets back to the philippines and shortly after uh the country becomes occupied by japan we're heading into world war ii So, of course, because she's amazing, she joins the International Red Cross's volunteering team for the children who are detained at this internment camp. It was called the University of Santo Tomas Internment Camp. And she's an angel. She is the first one to go there and realize the children are getting, like, zero care. The adults are getting some care. Obviously not amazing. They're in an internment camp and people can only do so much. But she created this whole program that focused on the children internees. And she decides to get herself a little cot and live there. She has no home. She's living in the camp with all of these kids taking care of them. 
And while she stayed there, she even made a makeshift hospice within the campus that was taking care of those in making them as comfortable as possible for anyone that had an illness that just, you know, couldn't be treated anymore. And they really just needed to be comfortable. So she made that herself out of whatever she could find. And because of her constant work and dedication, she became known as the Angel of Santo Tomas. All of the families loved her. She was their guardian angel from above. And she was the person making sure that these young children were receiving care as previously, like I said, only the adults were really getting the treatment and it wasn't the greatest. But of course, sadly, two years later, not surprising, after she established this hospice and this children's area, the Japanese shut it down. And they shut it down basically just as they had shut down any well-functioning operation having to do with this internment camp. But this then made the Manila mayor at the time ask Del Mundo if she could set up a government hospital because he thought, hey, if you want to still treat these children, just do it under the eye of the government. It will all feel more official and you won't get shut down. So she agreed and she became the director of this hospital that ended up opening its arms to many, many children, but also to fallen soldiers during the Battle of Manila when, you know, they needed extra care. They just jam-packed the place because she said, whoever needs care is going to get it. That is what I'm about. She invited everybody in and remained the director of this whole ass hospital until 1948. Yes, wow. girl. She was in there for years. However... And this oh, is no. going to make you guys really love her. No, it's good. Okay. She, this one's however. good. This is good news. No, it's a however because I was like, yes, girl, director of the hospital. But she started to get really distressed with the constraints of working for the government. And she decided, I hate working for the man. Mm -hmm. So Del Mundo left and started her own private hospital because she's like, screw this. Screw the patriarchy. And I love it. So she started her own thing. She got her own private hospital, which, of course, centered on children's needs, her heart and her soul, and it became known as the Children's Medical Center in Quezon City, the Philippines' first pediatric hospital ever, Oh wow! because she's a baddie. So I thought that was great. She rules. She rules. And even cooler, the hospital was funded by almost everything Del Mundo owned at the time. She sold her home. She sold all of her things aside from her medical paraphernalia that she would need for the hospital. And then she opened the doors in 1957 on her birthday. And it was reported that even shortly after the hospital opened, she moved into a new house and then sold it again in order to build her hospital's adult wing. And then she moves into another house and sells it a third time almost instantly after a few months to fund yet another unit of her hospital, which is the Institute of Maternal and Child Health. And with such dedication expanding the hospital and needing to constantly fund it with her own money, she decided she would just live at the hospital because who needs an actual house? I just want this place to thrive. So she found a little living quarter for herself on the second floor and she lived and served there until her death like literally rolling around in her wheelchair on all the different floors as a 99-year-old woman, <sighs> checking in on patients, making sure everyone had what they needed. And she died just a few months shy of her 100th birthday in 2011 from cardiac arrest, died in her bed. And the hospital is now named the Dr. Faye Del Mundo Children's Medical Center Foundation. Wow. After wow. her and working until the very day she died. And she's just the best. I love her. Yeah, she's. Here's the only thing I don't like about her. She makes oh. me feel like a piece of shit. Oh I yeah, mean, amen. Like a total, absolute garbage person. Yep. I because know. I'm like, it's cold in my apartment. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Why does this happen to me? She, I feel like so many times in her life, she didn't even have an actual home so she could just continue to serve at every yeah. hour of the day. I'm like that. I have none of that in me. I love being comfy, cozy and sleeping as long as possible. And also, if anyone noticed, I didn't talk about her personal life at all because there wasn't one. Like, she never got married. Yeah. She never had children. And she was quoted many times saying, like, I don't, I don't have time for a marriage. I don't have time to start a family. My life I was put on this earth to serve. That is what my life is for. I will keep creating. I will keep building. And I will keep serving the people who need medical help. And that was that was it. That's what she wanted to These do. Are, okay. Yeah. But, like, she sounds really amazing, which means she probably was a lesbian. 
She could have been one hundred percent. So probably she, she was just gay, and I want to say I want her to have had the hottest love affairs with the sexiest <laughs> ladies. Yeah, she had, a, who, like, she had a Boston marriage. Knew how to cuddle. Because we know, like, we won't find that if we research her. Can we just, like, speak that into the world and have that yeah. rumor just get started? It. That, like, she was known for just having these amazing affairs with hot women. Like, that was it. Yeah, and yeah, they'd be like, oh, wow, this lady is, wow, Beyonce wishes that she looked <laughs> this good. Okay, what's a Boston marriage? A Boston actually? marriage uh, is what they called the cohabitation of two wealthy women back in the day, back in like the uh, late 19th, early 20th century, when like two wealthy women would decide like, because at the time, if you married a man, he owned what you had. Right, so right. especially if you had you were a woman with inherited wealth and you weren't like in love with someone, it was like, no, <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. have a need for a man. Uh, but a lot of these women would, you know, live with other women. And some of it was just completely platonic. But right. they started referring to like pretty much any woman who did that as a Boston marriage. And for whatever reason, even though, you know, homosexuality was taboo. This setup, because it was basically like a traditional marriage, um, because they did sign their things together. They, I don't think it was like a wedding wedding, but like they did tie their finances together. It was totally yeah. accepted and they weren't outcasts. It was just right. a Boston huh. marriage. The Boston marriage. Thank you yeah. for that education. Apparently, most of the time, these women were like very wealthy. So then it started being called, I think, like Wellesley marriages, something like that. Like it got a very, oh, yeah. like, well, that makes sense. name. It got fancy. Why the fuck else would you go to Wellesley if you're not <laughs> gay? Yeah, gay and rich. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously rich. Before we do move on from Faye, I just want to list some of her um, amazing firsts because everybody likes to say she was the first female that went to Harvard University. And unfortunately, we've kind of learned that's not fully true. It's kind of like true in a way. But I wanted to shout out all of the firsts that she did accomplish really quick. She was the first Filipina to head a government general hospital, 1945. First Filipina to be certified by the American Board of Pediatrics as Board Diplomat, 1947. Founder and first president of the Philippine Medical Women's Association, 1949 through 1954. First female president of the Philippine Pediatric Society, 1952 to 1955. First Filipina and first Asian elected president of the Medical Women's International Association. That's like the big one, 1962 to 1966. First female president of the Philippine Medical Association, 1969 to 1970. First Filipina national scientist named in 1978. And the editor-in-chief of the textbook of pediatrics and child health, written in 1982. That book is still being used in medical schools across the world today. Wow. Okay, well, I take it back. She did not have love affairs. She was way too busy. <laughs> she was far too busy. <laughs> she actually truly might have been too busy. I like to think that maybe in school, between the studying, like, to let loose, she could have had an affair. But yeah. I feel like once she, like, got to work back in the Philippines, she had no time. These are also know. the stories. These are the people that I always refer to when you're talking to someone about, like, the meaning of life or, like, the meaning of humanity or how everything happens for a reason because there are some people that are like that's fucking bullshit why would an 11 year old girl have to die of appendicitis like what did what did her life mean and it's like well look at what she inspired look at what her sister did because of it she wouldn't have done that if her sister hadn't died that i mean she might have but like right. it was set in stone because her sister died at such a such a young age. So you can look at those horrible, horrific things like what is this? But like look at the things that it ins- like inspires other people to do. And maybe totally. that's where that meaning comes from. Or, you know, nothing means anything and we're floating on a fucking rock in the middle of space. <laughs> like, I don't fucking know. But sure. that's always what I tell those people who are like, no, I love there's that. no meaning. It's like, I was there thinking is. that too because it's like, Yeah, of course, in death, you know, there's so much mourning, there's so much grief, it sucks, it's difficult, like, no one is going to be happy about it. But it is so true that because of her sister, I do think that's what pushed her 
to live this amazing life. I think, sure, she probably would have become a doctor. I feel like that was kind of instilled in her from the beginning. And she seemed very intelligent, you know, kind of just one of those people that from a young age just had it in her. But I don't know if she would have gone as hard as she did and said, my fight is going to be for children if it hadn't been for her sister. And that it seems like the pediatric world needed her in so many ways. So yeah, I love that, Ashley. It's a good call. Thanks. Uh, I'm pretty smart sometimes. Um. (laughs) (laughs) And I really like to focus on secret lesbians. (laughs) Amy's like, can we go back to the lesbian love affairs? Can we just talk some more about how hot Filipino ladies are? It's just what I wanted her to have. I just... Because I hope she was gay, because obviously women are better than men. And then also, I want her to have had, like, some hot ladies. She deserved it. Just, like, hanging out with her. She did deserve it. If anybody deserves it, it's her. It's Faye Faye. DeMundo. Faye. Faye is in F-E, right? That's how you spell Faye. Yes, F-E. And I was like, I don't know if it's, like, Faye, but I watched a couple videos. Everyone was saying Faye. That's probably our American way of saying it, but... Yeah, Faye Del Mundo. Well, she's amazing. Amy, it is your turn. Who are you talking about today? I'm talking about Claudette Colvin. Yes. I I believe you both already knew who she was. I don't know anything correct? about her. I just I do know who she was, but I don't like that's it. That's the extent Same. of my I knowledge. know like very much the basics. Like bring it on. This is basically what happened. I was like, hey, do you guys... I, like, posted a thing on my work Slack, and I was like, hey, just quick query, do you guys know who Claudette Colvin was? And everybody was like, yes, but all we know is this one thing. You should talk about her on your podcast. And I was like, okay. So, Claudette Colvin was born on September 5th in 1939 in Montgomery, Alabama. And believe it or not, being black in Alabama back then was bummer. Um, because being black in Alabama today is a bummer being white in Alabama like being in Alabama is a bummer being a person in Montgomery Alabama being alive in Alabama it's It's, not great it's a bummer but uh so in March of 1955 she had been learning about the civil rights movement in school so she went to a segregated school and the one benefit of that was that her teachers actually really taught them mm-hmm. about past civil rights movements and they actually learned black history, not like us, where they're like, Martin Luther King existed he and then everything all. was good and they were, he fixed it all. And then I don't know who shot him. Uh, anyway, next question. <laughs> we're going to talk about Vietnam. Is over. <laughs> good night. <laughs> so. She was taking a bus home from school and was sitting in the black section and the white section of the bus filled up. So when that happened, white passengers could kick black people out of their section. Actually, black people were just supposed to get up. White people weren't supposed to have to say anything. Black people were just supposed to notice that the bus was filling up and move. And just know to get up. That's infuriating. Yes. And I'm I'm sorry for pod explaining racism, but like I don't know what the kids are taught in school these days about how the buses sure. worked back then. No, please do. because I, I do that yeah. all the time where it's like just for anyone who doesn't know because there is someone out there who doesn't know. Yeah. So you there might are well probably just... people who listen to this podcast and they were born in 2005 and I don't know. Do they learn about racism nowadays? Yeah, I don't, I don't probably know. Probably not, to be honest. I don't know. What they learn about. So a white lady got on the bus and was standing in the front of the bus and the driver was like, okay, um, fucking leave. And Claudette was sitting with three of her friends and the three friends got up and moved. Uh, and then this uh, other black woman, Ruth Hamilton, who was pregnant, got on the bus and sat next to Colvin. So the bus driver, this is a quote from Claudette. He asked us both to get up. Mrs. Hamilton said she was not going to get up and that she had paid her fare and that she did not feel like standing. So I told him I was not going to get up either. So he said, if you're not going to get up, I will get a policeman. So even though her three friends had moved, meaning there were three open seats, and then this other lady came and sat down next to her. So there were two open seats. The white lady didn't want to sit in the same row as her because that would make them equal. Oh, man. Okay. So... History kept me stuck to my seat. I felt the hand of Harriet Tubman pushing down on one shoulder and Sojourner Truth pushing down on the other. 
so basically the bus driver was like uh okay whatever and then he drove and then he saw a police car that happened to be parked so he stopped the bus and he was like hey you'll never believe this emergency there's a teenager on my bus who is seated and it's terrible and it's a crime against humanity so the police officers get onto the bus and this is i'm quoting her one of them said to the driver in a very angry tone who is it the bus driver pointed at me i heard him say that's nothing new i've had trouble with that thing before he called me a thing They came to me and stood over me, and one said, aren't you going to get up? I said, no, sir. He shouted, get up again. I started crying, but I felt even more defiant. I kept saying over and over in my high-pitched voice, it's my constitutional right to sit here as much as that lady. I paid my fare. It's my constitutional right. I knew I was talking back to a white policeman, but I had had enough. One cop grabbed one of my hands and his partner grabbed the other and they pulled me straight up out of my seat. My books went flying everywhere. I went limp as a baby. I was too smart to fight back. They started dragging me backwards off the bus. One of them kicked me. I might have scratched one of them because I had long nails, but I sure didn't fight back. I kept screaming over and over. It's my constitutional right. I wasn't shouting anything profane. I never swore, not then, not ever. I was shouting out my rights. So then they put her in their squad car all ride long they swore at me and ridiculed me they took turns trying to guess my bra size they called me i'm not saying that but you can guess what they called her and cracked jokes about parts of my body i recited the lord's prayer and the 23rd psalm over and over in my head trying to push back the fear i assumed they were taking me to juvenile court because i was only 15 so i was thinking now i'm going to be picking cotton since that's how they punish juveniles, they would put you in a school out in the country where they made you do field work during the day, which, oh my fucking God. Ugh. It's yeah. so absurd. I'm so. So instead in of being taken to a juvenile detention center, she was taken to an adult jail, put in a cell with nothing in it but a broken sink and a cot with no mattress. I was scared. It was really, really frightening. It was like those Western movies where they put the bandit in the jail cell and you could hear the keys. I can still vividly hear the click of those keys. I waited three hours until my mother arrived with my pastor to bail me out. My mother knew I was disappointed with the system and all the injustice we were receiving. And she said to me, well, Claudette, you finally did it. So her reverend, the Reverend H.H. Johnson, bailed her out and took her and her mother home. I was afraid that night. I'd stood up to a white bus driver and two white cops. I had challenged the bus law. There had been lynchings and cross burnings for that kind of thing. With Tumpka Highway that led out of Montgomery ran right past our house. It would have been easy for the Klan to come up the hill that night. Dad sat up all night with his shotgun. We all stayed up. The neighbors facing the highway kept watch. Probably nobody on King Hill slept that night. But worried or not, I felt proud. I'd stood up for our rights. I'd done something a lot of adults hadn't done. On the ride home from jail, Reverend Johnson had said something to me I'll never forget. He was an adult who everyone respected, and his opinion meant a lot to me. Claudette, he said, I am so proud of you. Everyone prays for freedom. We've all been praying and praying, but you're different. You want your answer the next morning, and I think you just brought the revolution to Montgomery. Wow. So... The NAACP thought about using this case as a starting point for the bus boycott, but because Claudette was so young, and then later when they were still thinking about it, she ended up becoming pregnant, they decided to use Mm -hmm. someone else that Claudette knew very well. I became very active in her youth group, and we used to meet every Sunday afternoon at the Luther Church. Ms. Parks was quiet and very gentle and very soft-spoken, but she would always say we should fight for our freedom. Colvin said that Parks had the right image to become the face of the resistance to segregation because of her previous work with the NAACP. The organization didn't want a teenager in the role. They said they didn't want to use a pregnant teenager because it would be controversial and the people would talk about the pregnancy more than the boycott. Well, you know, optics are yeah. a huge thing, even for civil rights movements, oh, yeah. even for things like that. Yeah. Like, you have to think about the optics. Like, you could easily be like, teenager, she was up to no yeah. good. Oh, absolutely. And she even understands that. Like, she gets that branding is important. But also part of it was that Claudette was dark-skinned and Rosa yeah. Parks had light skin and, quote, good hair. Oh, my gosh. Right. Right. That has everything to do with it, which is so unfortunate, but true. Right. 
but they but they knew that Rosa Parks was like somebody that white people would be like, oh, okay, yeah, that is a bummer. She's not scary. Yeah. We can be right, okay with exactly. This one. So eight months after Colvin refused to get off the bus on December first, nineteen fifty-five, which is ooh, ooh. Today, Hello, it's today, and also Ashley already talked about <laughs> it. Um, Rosa Parks refused to give up her seat on December fifth. The bus boycott started, and Black leaders met to form the Montgomery Improvement Association, electing the young pastor Martin Luther King Jr. Ever heard of him as their president? <laughs> Never, America. <laughs> so. Oh. 40,000 black Americans boycotted the Montgomery bus system. Black taxi drivers offered 10 cent rides to other black people and they started carpooling. The city was hurting, but they still refused to hire black bus drivers and institute a first come first seat rule. So then like a year later, the NAACP asked Colvin to be part of a lawsuit against the Montgomery district court. So the main plaintiffs in this case were Aurelia Broder, Claudette Colvin, Susie McDonald, and Mary Louise Smith. Janetta Reese had originally been a plaintiff in the case, but intimidation by members of the white community caused her to withdraw. So I went and I testified about the system, and I was saying that the system treated us unfairly, and I used some of the language that they used when they got taken off the bus. That case ended up going to the Supreme Court. They won. And that ended the segregation of buses in Montgomery. Wow. So she was fucked. She was known as a troublemaker. And everybody knew who she was. And she was basically unemployable. She had to drop out of college. And she ended up moving to New York City. And she loved it. Because it wasn't the same. You know, in Montgomery, she was like, yeah, things changed in Montgomery after that sort happened. But <laughs> yeah, she was like, the buses weren't literally segregated, but white people still wouldn't sit next to us. Right. And basically, she just moved to New York. She lived her life. It was fine. She kind of never talked about her life. She was just like, whatever. It's New York. No one cares about anybody else. But... As she got older, she was like, this is kind of bullshit that I don't get any recognition. And then in 2016, the Smithsonian Institution and its National Museum of African American History and Culture, or Namahak. <laughs> that really easy <laughs> roll off the tongue acronym we were looking for. <laughs> I know, right? Like, That's they what I needed. That- they put that in there and I was like, no. <laughs> no, 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 thank you. That's not any easier. I'll actually just say the full name instead. <laughs> thank you. So the museum was challenged by Colvin and her family, who asked that Colvin be given a more prominent mention in the history of the civil rights movement. So the museum has a section dedicated to Rosa Parks, which Colvin did not want taken away. But her family's goal was to get the historical record right and for officials to include Colvin's part of the story. She was not invited officially for the formal dedication of the museum, which opened to the public in September of 2016. All we want is the truth. Why does history fail to get it right? Colvin's sister said. Had it not been for Claudette Colvin, Aurelia Browder, Susie McDonald, and Mary Louise Smith, there may not have been a Thurgood Marshall, a Martin Luther King Jr., or a Rosa Parks. Speak the truth. In 2017, March 2nd, which is the day that this that she stayed on the bus, uh, it was declared Claudette Colvin Day in Montgomery. And in 2019, a statue of Rosa Parks was unveiled in Montgomery. And four granite markers were also unveiled near the statue on the same day to honor the four plaintiffs in Browder versus Gale, including Colvin. And that is the story of the massive injustice of Claudette Colvin, who should be just as famous as Rosa Parks. And the thing I like most about her is that anytime people are like, what about Rosa Parks? She's like, I also like rosa parks i met her and we were friends <laughs> there's no part of her that's saying like screw this girl i'm the one she's like no 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 yeah. we just both exist and like let's yeah. give recognition to both of us she even said she was like i'm not mad that i didn't get the recognition that i deserve i'm disappointed and in 2016 
she had already had a drunk history about her. So, yeah. like, why are they acting like they don't know who she is? That is a really good point. The people who, you know, behave that way, who think like, oh, she's trying to take this away from Rosa Parks, are the same people that feel like something's being taken away from them just because someone acknowledges someone right. else. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, when people are like, Black Lives Matter, and white people are like, <laughs> and but it's like all the lives but but me and it's like no one's taking anything away you're from you. still good yeah but what <laughs> if they fine. try everything's fine <sighs> but <laughs> it's like no you're good and also something this is something i think is important something we need to stress to children when we are teaching about the civil rights movement rosa parks probably saw toy story she did yes she died in 2005 somebody on tiktok said i love that rosa parks has probably seen shrek one and (laughs) two yeah so like people think that like this happened so long ago and pat ourselves on the back like we did it it's all over and it's like she just died Like, she died when I was in high school, okay? Like, it was not that long ago. And there is a rumor, uh, or people like to say that uh, photos from the civil rights movement were originally taken in color but shown in black and white to make them appear older. That's not true. Mm -hmm. But because so many of them are in black and white, we just associate that with, like, eight you know decade well it is decades ago but like eons ago and it's like no 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 our parents were alive like this was not that long ago yeah i think the other thing that i've seen is that martin luther king jr Anne frank and barbara walters were all born in the same year Ooh, Mm -hmm. that's an interesting fact yeah so when you think about the way that we talk about those three people like they would all be the same age to you know they would all be Barbara Walters' age Barbara today. Walters is she still, is still alive? Hanging. She I'm is. I'm so sorry. I think she's okay. barely hanging on, though, because you don't see much of her nowadays. Barbara Walters. She doesn't believe you. She has to look. She has to look her up. Well, no, no, no. I was looking at her age. She's 91. Yeah. Oh yeah, she's up there. Um, I'm really bad at math, so sorry. Well, also, yeah, I have to say, to Rosa about. Parks was like 42. So that really bums me out because everybody's like, she was an old lady. And I'm like, she's was eight years older than me. (laughs) So if we could just kind of cool it on talking about how she's basically a decrepit elderly woman who's like, my feet hurt. My feet. It is funny because I have always thought of her as an adorable older grandma. And 42 is not far from where we are. She looked old. When we learned about her originally, we were very young and we didn't know age. It was like, she's 100 or maybe she's 20. Like, we don't know because age is not a thing to us yet because we don't know about time. And her outfit pointed to grandmother she was wearing a grandma outfit but that was probably by design they i mean because they purposefully i mean because obviously like she i remember like being a kid and my dad was like if i've taught you one fucking thing he didn't swear at me if i've taught you one thing it is that rosa (laughs) parks was a freedom fighter she was not some tired woman on a bus that was a planned boycott it was planned and she knew what she was doing don't you take away that credit from her (laughs) it was very important to him (laughs) which i'm glad i love that because no i've like told people that i'm like yeah my dad used to yell that at me all the time they'd be like this is the first time i've ever heard that she was not just tired yeah and i was like that's fair because what we learned is that she was tired told to us I just think about the education that I got. I don't want to get into this too much. The education is shit anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no way you can fit American history into six months. Yeah. Or, or you know, 12 months or whatever it is that you're learning about American history. Because there are so many things that are important. I mean, sort of. I feel like you could leave a lot of shit out. <laughs> but there are so many things that they deem important. And then it's like... Okay, the civil rights movement, we're going to go over that on Thursday and Friday. And then by Monday, and it's like, but we should spend a little more time on it, don't you think? Right. 
it's easier to say like she was tired and she didn't want to get up and that's why you know beep doo ba doo and that's what made the white people and black people be able to ride the bus wherever they want yeah there has to be a deeper dive there we like we have to make more time how many weeks did you guys spend learning about christopher columbus and how he discovered america oh jesus dear god it felt like the entire year of whatever grade i was in like fourth or fifth grade it felt like that's all we talked about yeah nina the pinta the santa maria (laughs) oh yeah i actually got into a fight with some dude because i was at some bar this is obviously pre-covid a few years ago and i was reading a book and he was like what book are you reading and i don't remember what but he was like, oh, yeah, I just read a book about Christopher Columbus. It was really good. And I was like, that guy fucking sucks. And he was like, <laughs> good for you. And he was like, no, I mean, he discovered America. And I was like, he didn't dis- Okay, he didn't discover anything. America <laughs> no. was just here. Um, when I went to Puerto Rico, I wasn't like, oh, cool. I just discovered this airport in San Juan. <laughs> okay. And I was like, That's and true. second, I was like, there are, uh, you know, writings from his diary where he talks about how the most sought after slaves were 11 year old girls for sex slavery. But really, if you really wanted to make money, you'd sell 10-year-old girls or 9-year-old girls. And his response was, well, that was just the time. And I was like, no, it wasn't. Child rape was actually also (laughs) bad then. People still were like, maybe don't have sex with somebody who's prepubescent. Right. Also, they also knew that like a lot of people were like, slavery is bad. Like, Mm -hmm. white people were like, slavery is bad. Not all of them, obviously. But, like, don't sit there and be like... We're starting to say it. It was like, people knew. They realized what was going on. So you can't just ever say it was the time if enough people knew that it was garbage. Yeah. I mean, to me, like, being like, yeah, I read this really awesome book about Christopher Columbus. It was just the times. That's like being like, I read this really awesome book about Hitler. And here's the thing. You know, he was a really good artist, okay, first of all, and he just like wasn't <laughs> <that> understood. <laughs> <laughs> I really wish he'd been eight percent more talented. He maybe wouldn't have been such an asshole if he'd gotten into also, the art institute or whatever. Christopher Columbus <laughs> accidentally arrived in South America mm-hmm. and he thought it was India. So what did he do really? What did he do, really? He did nothing. He did nothing. (laughs) He was just a dumbass. Apparently, he didn't think that he was in India. I think that once he landed, he was like, oh, this isn't India. But that's where he was trying to get to. Yes. So, like... So, he doesn't understand a compass, and he's awful. (laughs) But also, nobody cared when he was like, I'm going to sail around the world to prove that it's round. Everybody was like, yeah, we know it's round. (laughs) We like no one shit. cares like no one was impressed like i don't because he did it for spain right and he was like can i have ships yeah. and they were like yeah i mean go have fun dying like i don't care and he's like i'm gonna prove the world is round and it's like okay well i'm gonna prove that both my feet exist they do <laughs> <laughs> they do here they are <laughs> no but that's what pisses me off when you bring up the ships like i hate that i had to study for weeks and make sure that i knew the answers for question number one on the quiz, which was what was the name of the three ships, the Nina, the Pinta, the Santa Maria. And I hate that that is like what I took away instead of learning yeah. about much better, more interesting, more fascinating, more giving to the world type stories. And instead, I know the name of those damn ships for the rest of my life and I don't care. Ugh, I'm mad. Um, yeah. Well, that is all the time we have this week. <laughs> for keep it weird thank you all so much for listening next week we are covering some more amazing amazing women and amy will be with us again because we're about to record it right now after we take a pee break Woo! if anyone is interested in hearing like 20 more hours of amy head over to our patreon at (laughs) www.patreon.com slash keep it weird podcast she is our podcast bonus episode host you can sign up to be a $1, $5, or $10 patron, and depending on the tier you choose, you could get bonus episodes, newsletters, and discounts on merch, or all three of those things every single month. 
Um, you can also just head over to uh, Etsy.com slash shop slash Keep It Weird Podcast if you want to grab a t-shirt, tank top, hoodie, sweatpants, or even a blankie. And I think this might be the last week to order if you want merch by, by Christmas. Christmas. So I, I would say, do yeah. that. Yeah, I put in an order today that said it would get to its destination somewhere between the 17th and the 25th. So if you want merch, okay. uh, do it right now. Right this second. Right this second. Don't don't waste any more time. Follow us on social media at Keep It Weird Cast, including our Facebook group, which I don't even know how to give that to you. Just search Keep It Weird on Facebook, and the group photo is our moth. Now, question. Do we give advice, or do we sing us out with a song? Have Amy sing us out with a song, because listen, everyone really deserves it. This is it. Amy's decision. No, it has to be a song. We all need it. Okay, I'll do a song. Yes, okay. Okay. Claudette Colvin kept in the dark. She was overshadowed by Rosa Parks. She wasn't mad. She stayed gay. She got her own day. It's March 2nd every year. And we hope that Faye was queer. Oh, that's all the ladies we have today. Tune back in. It'll still be gay. Yeah. Yay. Oh, my God. Oh, oh my God. That was the so best good. song I've ever heard in my life. Thank you. I'm really proud of it. And keep it weird. And keep, and keep it, it weird. weird. <laughs> They say that I see more children being buried than adults. So I said I felt we should do something about it. One of the questions asked, why didn't you get up when the uh, bus driver asked you and the policeman? I said I could not move because history had me glued to the seat. <laughs> and they say, how is that? I say, because it felt like soldier on the truth, hands were pushing me down on one shoulder, and Harriet Tubman, hands were pushing me down on another shoulder. And I could not move. And I yell out, it's my constitutional rights.